Hey, what's up? It's MJ. Want to snag a $100 Napa cab for $25? Wine Spies finds incredible wines at ridiculous prices. We're talking Zinfandel, Barolo, Champagne, you name it. Some of these wines are up to 75% off. It's not a club, so there's no obligation to buy. They even have a build a case option so you can mix and match wines and take advantage of free shipping on every purchase. Make sure you keep an eye out for their daily offer because once a wine sells out, there's no guarantee it'll be back. Go ahead and check them out. You'll even get a discount by going to winespies.com forward slash black wine guy. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey everybody, what's up? It's MJ. Welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is CMS Certified Sommelier and Wine and Spirits Educator, Bruno de Almeida. Uh, Bruno was born and raised in Lisbon, Portugal. He landed in New York City in 2002 and has been working in the hospitality scene ever since. A rock and roll drummer for most of his life, Bruno kickstarted his career in the restaurant industry as being a musician wasn't always paying the bills. Having worked at legendary restaurants like Gusto Restaurant, Pau, Inotica, Corsina, Balbusta, Locanda Verde, and Dirty French, Bruno started taking his psalm journey more seriously in 2008. Until the pandemic hit, he was the wine director and sommelier at the iconic Tocqueville. Might have fucked it up, but that's okay. And given his Lisbon roots, it's no surprise that he is a passionate advocate for Portuguese wine. I'm super excited because I know very little. Like I said in my thing, I know shit. I know port, little Madeira. So I'm real excited. Welcome, Bruno. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So Bruno and I connected through Instagram, which just works for me somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been following you. Uh, your handle's uh, Dramalier. Uh, so... Tell us about these wines we're going to be drinking today. So today I brought to you like, um, uh, again, like Portuguese wines, like they tend, they're really expressing right now, like the, the diversity that they can bring and they totally like express the people, they express the land. So been making, it's a country been making wine for a long, long time. But uh, basically like, let's say like around the 80s, that's when like you see wines from Portugal, Spain, and even Greece that started like to come up because they got in, in the European community, so investment. And um, and then moving on, like then in the late 90s and early 2000s, there's been a generation of uh, winemakers bringing uh, different techniques, fresher wines, um, exposing like different or actually going back to the roots of their like their ancestors used to make wine. So I brought you a sparkling, like huge tradition in Portugal. Huge, huge. So this comes from Bairrada, uh, which is basically in the center of the country. It's like basically like two hours up from Lisbon, one hour south of Porto. And uh, the winemaker is great. Like you work at Chipurão, a big, a big uh, producer in Portugal in Alentejo. But uh, his roots are uh, to Bairrada, to this region in his family. So I'm bringing you a sparkling, which is something very traditional in the region, uh, from red sparklings, not sparkling Syrah, something like that. Okay. Or, <laughs> or, or like, no, like beautiful red sparklings, mm-hmm. mostly made from the, the, the grape varietal called Baga, means like tiny berry. Mm-hmm. And Bajada means barro, means clay. So there's a lot of clay in here, uh, very close to the Atlantic. Uh, I was going to say um, seafood is that same, screaming, screaming so, out for seafood. Exactly. Like you, so you're going to see like a little sailing nuances. Mm-hmm. Baga plays a, a little bit of a role in here, but you have Bical, which is a fresh peachy, a bright acidity varietal. And then Circial, not to be confused with the Circial in Madeira. It's mm-hmm. a different Circial spelled uh, with a C. 
which is called the dog strangler in the Douro Valley. It's called Shigenekel <laughs> because it's so difficult. But bug is very difficult too as a red varietal. It's like very uh, has a temper. It's like for me, it's like the Pinot Noir in combat boots instead of like <laughs> high heels. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's fairly Pinot Noirish, the the, the, the grape varietal Baga, mm-hmm. but uh, very Nebbiolish too. So if you like that kind of wines, even Xenomavros uh, coming from um, from Greece, like um, has great tension, uh, very exquisite. Um, it's beautiful to play around, but in this region, so that's quite of a French influence. And of course, like Burgundian. Um, Cistician monks that went to Portugal brought that kind of culture. Like so, I'm bringing you wines like that totally resemble the people because Portugal like colonized whatever they wanted to do, like in the 1500s, like going all over the place. But in the meantime, it's a land that everyone came across: Phoenicians, Greeks, right. uh, Northern uh, Muslim. Everyone was over there, and everyone put like something in the country. And the wines totally scream mainly right now. They really scream that. And so, like, of course, we're having a little bit of a, that Frenchy uh, approach in this uh, in the, in this wine, uh, traditional method. So, but brought you something totally different. This is spans like as you can see from the color mm-hmm. and uh, like the oxidative nuances, like goes through a Solero style. Oh wow! Okay. So they use like around an average of uh, nine-year-old uh, nine-year-old um, wines, and they just try to do something a little different, very minimal intervention, very minimal sugar, and I think it's just great. Luis Patron does a great job in this, and he's one of the faces of the new winemaking in Portugal. Yeah, mm-hmm. wonderful, awesome, fuck. The show started off so dope. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, like this screams seafood because, like, when you're going off the coast to this place, like, you just like feel the breeze going mm-hmm. on. Like at night during mm-hmm. the day, I spent some time with my mom. She was living fairly close by. Then I was coming from the coast inland, and you just can feel like the breeze, like in the, in this wine. So a little selling quality, but uh, that kind of pastry notes, like a beautiful, like slight touch of brioche, but candied fruit. But uh, that you can do like a pork chop, you can do like caramelized apples, something like a grilled seafood. Like you can do a lot of things and not only um, just do like the celebration thing. So sure. like most of these people like in this region, very small region, like with a lot of kind of crews like you find like in Burgundy, everything like it's so totally different. Instead of having beer, like most of Portuguese do like in their fridge, they have a bottle of sparkling. So that's a great tradition that they have within them. They drink a lot of sparkling in this region. Wow. That's cool, man. That's yeah. what's up. Awesome. All right. So, wow. Tell me about growing up in Lisbon. Oof. Damn, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like, tell me about growing up in Fort Greene in the 80s. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. I mean, Lisbon, yeah. I mean, because it is a city. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, you know. You know, this is this is the second time we've had two black wine guys on the show. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Except this is the Portuguese black wine guy. It's even doper. He's got the dope accent. He's got better dreads. Um, <laughs> he's a musician. Um, but yeah, like you know, I all all I know is I've traveled around America a lot, mm-hmm. and wherever there's people of color and it's a city, it it can be rough. Mm-hmm. So what was it like growing up in Lisbon? Well, I had a lot of challenges. Like I grew up so in '76. Yeah, I'm going to be 45, dude. And um, in during that time was fairly dramatic because the country just got off from a dictatorship, mm. uh, not as aggressive like the the Franco dictatorship in Spain, but we or had, the one we just got rid of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So exactly, no, no, but but exactly like that. Like I had a few kind of uh, not necessarily arguments, but with people when I hear like, because we don't want a country to go socialist because I come from Cuba and blah, blah, blah. Like, let me tell you something. I grew up in the, in the 70s mm-hmm. and the country was getting rid of a dictatorship, like really far right dictatorship. And my mom like would tell me like when we were growing up, like I couldn't go to that place because my mom, she was from Manzabik, she was black, mm-hmm. big Afro coming from the 60s, like revolution students and stuff like that, listening to James Jop- uh, the, the Janis Joplin and uh, Barbara Streisand and my father listening to Emerson like in Pomlin and everything like so black people like doing that in Portugal like was a little like what are you listening to? Like, you should be listening this and this and that like because you come from the colonies you should listen to our music like and they weren't. Right. So there was quite of uh, even my name should be Alexander but he couldn't because it was too much of a communist name. Mm. So my name is Bruno Alexandre mm. that was accepted mm-hmm. but Alexander my, my son's name <laughs> was the first thing that I decided like you're going to be named as Alexander <laughs> deal with it <laughs> so like stuff just minimal stuff like that but um, 
growing like during that time, like as a, as a black person of black parents was a little difficult. It was not that easy going to school and everything like, you know, like was, was not the easiest thing though. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, we know you're really into music. Did that start when you were young and as a kid, when did you start? Totally. Like listening to my father, like with, uh, the big vinyl, the r- arena rock stuff, like from kiss and he was listening to uh, Kiss Live, and Peter Chris is doing this uh, drum solo, which he was trying to resemble a, a, a train. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, this is dope. <laughs> so I started like, that totally caught my eye. My parents were musicians too, like like my mom left to dance, like all very African, but again, listening to all that kind of stuff. So that grew up on me when I was like six, eight, and then 10, I was already like getting sticks and drumming on, on pens and pillows and everything and then i finally got a drum set like when i was 12 or something so that's what really kicked me and um listening to records like i totally i still have some of my parents records and everything so that really played a role because that was that um was their way of expression uh, expressing themselves during those times was through music and all getting like late at night again in the 80s i remember like my first record was actually duran duran oh uh the the rio one no, not the Rio. Hungry like the wolf. Hungry like the wolf. No, no, no. The 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 seventh and the Ridge Tiger. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm a little bit older than you. The so, yeah. reflex. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was totally like dancing, like one o'clock in the morning, having to go to school the next day because my parents had to go to their like niche to their friends like to the, these kind of spots that even in the early 80s they could not go to certain places because they were um because like a, the, a mixed couple because no 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 they were no. not mixed like my father was actually he's from he, he was from northern africa okay. but he's like very like uh um fairly white he's from sentiment prince and my mom she's very black she was very black right. she was actually from Mozambique with a big backbone from the zulu mm-hmm. from the zulu uh tribe in in south africa right like back like he her great grandmother was so like that's the, the the mix came from but we would she would go out with her friends and i would be like sleepy but dancing to the to uh to the render and then she finally got me a record but they would be doing this late at night because you had to be in some place secluded because till that till that time actually in the early 80s would be kind of a, a gestapo like looking up for like small groups that could be um, doing something underground towards the colonies. Yeah, sub- subversive, they call it, right? Yeah. yeah and actually, yeah. I think my father got in trouble for that. So. Damn, man. I mean, it's it's so, it's crazy. Yeah. Guerrilla, I mean, it's he was, crazy. He was really like on, like in guerrilla radio, like basement stuff, like again, coup d'etat, like back in their countries. So, like, um, I saw all that. Yeah. I mean, so, like, people, it's, it's funny. Um, when you say about Portugal, because it seems like such a small country, but it's like it's on a peninsula, so a great, great navy and ships, and yeah. and 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 Portugal ran slaves longer than anybody. They were all over the world. They just kept going for like another eighty years. <laughs> they just kept running them, um, and so it's it's very interesting um, to, to 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 learn about this from you know I I went to the museum down in Washington D.C. and they they showed every country and how long they were running slaves and Portugal was like fifteen something and they were like the longest like you know you know like mainly like mainly like with whatever's going on in the world like and that just like brings up to your mind this all these kind of small details like I remember like when one of the things I love about wine is like maps and geography and mm-hmm. all that kind of crap mm-hmm. I love that like it really fuels me I love it since I was a kid. By collecting like all these cards and stickers from soccer and everything, but then the country would tell you like the currency, like the flag, where it's located, and everything. So that actually like started a path for me, like in terms of like wine maps and like all that geekery. Mm-hmm. And I remember being with my mom, and she would be telling me like, "You do understand that the African continent is bigger than." What are you looking at right now? Yeah, the, people don't get the map is not to fucking scale. No. So that's it's like crazy to this day. <laughs> yeah. The scales were always off. And then like later on, like when my mom started like coming visiting me when I had my son, she would like look at me like because I have all these maps like in my office. Or, like, you know, like she would like, 
remember like when you used to talk about this like and like look at those maps you think they're really factual like uh, no mom <laughs> we spoke about this like you're so true um but uh that um that started like really like that that thing like with uh with with, with portugal and that perspective of like mainly when you have parents who are very active mm -hmm. during the 60s and and trying to uh let's just talk about my last name really think my last name is almeida right no my other last name it's not silva silva can be related like to uh to uh to jewish because mm -hmm. it's the name of a tree and that's all the names of trees like in um, mm. in europe they had to um give up their names and they put um, they gave themselves names of trees in order like not to be recognized by the inquisition so apple tree pear tree like chestnut tree either you live go to uh, Uruguay, Argentina, Venezuela, and then to the U.S. and Brazil, or you actually change your name, or you just convert to the Spanish Inquisition. So my mom always told me, like, there's no way that that's my name. Right. That's a Portuguese given name. Like right. We had our names. Like, right. So that comes like that kind of systemic racism that we, we can always, like, bring up and talk about it, like, can go to just to your simple last name, you know, like something like that. Yeah, no, I have a, um, my, my <coughs> buddy of mine. He was my roommate in law school, and, and his father's from Lebanon. He's Lebanese. And um, he, when he moved over here, he changed his name from Farrar to George. So a lot of people mm -hmm. would, would would take George for George Washington. Mm -hmm. You know, they would adopt these the most American name they could to, to not stand out, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it so much that people <laughs> get to take for granted. You know, like, you know, my name, last name's Taller. That's all British, just British exactly. and, and, and Welsh, mm -hmm. right? That's, that, that's <laughs> like, that's, you know, that, that's what, they, like, mm -hmm. you look it up, that, like, it, that's where it goes, right? And I'm like, you know, you know, so it's just really, you know, interesting. And, and I like what you said about how because of the way you were raised and, and your heritage and, and, and kind of what your parents instilled in you, like the, the love of maps and kind of like how it's, mm -hmm. it, it really mm -hmm. did kind of mold, uh, like, the educator uh part of uh you and wine but I, I i before we move on like what what's going on with your music right now you Oof, i know dude like again like doesn't pay bills and everything but you know uh, that comes like with a part of my journey like in life in general but mainly like in wine in here like um i always had like to prove myself extra work extra hours um to get that recognition, anything to get, you know, like, so I'll, once I started like being really focused in hospitality, I started like to spend more hours in hospitality okay. and I decided myself to be like, okay, like if I'm spending all these hours, I need to spend time with my kid in the morning. So in a job interview, anything I would be saying like, uh, I don't work mornings because I need to pick up my son at three. I'll be here at four because otherwise I won't see him. So I need to be there. Like, hey, unfortunately, I didn't have that father figure like when I was a kid. So I, I decided not. I decided that I had to be that person, pick him up. You know, like that's why I have my tattoo. Like, I have his uh, handprint on my, uh, on my um, uh, side of your neck there, on my neck, because that's the way he would fall asleep when oh, I was. Oh. So like, I decided like I need to do that because so. But I lost a lot of opportunities. I lost a lot of things because like scheduling like being being trying to be a parent as much as you can so with all that like the music part started like to uh you know like you don't want to just like play like in your days off and then you're not spending time with your family and your kid and everything and um so i kind of stopped it all, a little bit over there but one of the great things that I always learned about being in the u.s is the fact that you can be 25 you can be 45 and that's always going to be a chance for you, like to continue to do your passion and follow your 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 dreams and listen to Jamie Hendrix and you know like that was one of the things that really like my mom told me like uh, listen remember when you listening to Jamie Hendrix like now you're right there like you know, like you watching the trains and all that thing like you know like that's all that she always like she would come over here like Bruno like let can we go to gospel can we go to Harlem can we go to like to Brooklyn like and she would be like remember when we listening like. To all these records and stuff like that like yeah so like so i had to pick my battles a little bit but i think now that 
time has changed in the past 12 months. Yeah. I'm really, I have like three drum sets. So something needs to happen. <laughs> um, and now with technology, like I'm connecting more with my peeps like back in Portugal. And they're like, hey, would you like to do like uh, uh, some some drums in this thing? Like you like like to do a song? And like, so we never know. So so tell me about, so you, you're in New York. You get here in 2002. Um, you're ready to rip it up on the drum scene, rock scene. And then um, w- um, what was like your first restaurant gig? Let's not forget that I was meant to come here in 2001, but oh. we all know what happened oh. in 2001. Shit. So we were meant as a band to come in 2001, but then unfortunate things happened in 2001, and the record industry like was really hit. It was already being hit with Napster. Oh, yeah, it's man. That's fair. just the worst. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, I, I did use Napster and I felt bad about it. Of course, it. But, come on, because you're done, you know you're like like free music, but but <laughs> but like you get old, you're like that's fucked, bro. <laughs> Stealing people's shit, I can pay for it. Got to be like Tupac. You ever see? I saw this thing with Tupac where he was in New York City and people were bootlegging his tape, and he went up to his tape and was like, "Dude, that's my shit, right?" And he's like, "Dude, stop selling my shit." The guy's like, "What, what, what, what?" You know, and, and Tupac was like, "Look, I will bust your ass. <laughs> you saw my fake." Tea. Listen, like I have. So before even Napster, there was all that. There was bootlegging. There was was a lot of like and I learned that because that's something that you didn't see like in, in Europe and in Portugal but my first apartment was in Clinton like Clinton Washington the the, the, the train stop mm-hmm. the C stop in uh, in Brooklyn and I was like I need to do a Led Zeppelin tattoo I need to I need to so I did I did um, physical graffiti this is actually not of my favorite al- uh, records but the the front of the building was so similar, which actually the front is actually in um, St. Mark's Place. And I decided to do it, like, Bruno, now you need to do that. Like, um, and I and I tattooed that because I just felt like everything just made sense. And you would go down the street and you see like all like these like CDs like of you know like Nas like like two thousand two right. yeah, like yeah. you know like you know like oh man I always wanted to hear like Hillmatic and all that kind of stuff like and all these records and Again, I'm a rock metal dude, but like being in New York, like coming, like you just, just feel it. Like, you know, my landlord like was like, listen to this, listen to that. Like, like he was like, Bruno need to listen to 50 Cent. Like, this is dope. This is dope. <laughs> but I was, I was just feeling it. And I, my, my second approach in, in, in hip hop came like when, like when I was here in 2000 and when I landed in 2002. And of course, all the things that happened, great things that happened you know, in the two thousand in the nineties with uh, with hip hop, you know, like the huge clan and all that thing. Like oh, even yeah. for me as a metal dude, I think like being me, me metal and rock. I think like I love classic music, and the same thing with hip hop. There's a lot of similarities. Yeah, I was gonna say like I mean because like in the eighties it w- it was. That was the whole thing was be free. Ru- yeah, but Russell Simmons was smart. Like he he was like, I gotta get this rock, I gotta get these rock kids, I get these white kids listen to, right? So he mm-hmm. walked this way and then ever I mean, there's been a number I mean Public Enemy. Man. Public enemy. Like literally that was my thing. Like we like we had AM radio. You know, I'm fifty two, we had AM radio. So I, <laughs> I grew up on fucking AM radio, the carpenters, all that shit. I know all that all that white shit, right? I know all that shit, right? <laughs> but then you'd be like, damn, did they just fucking sample when when Tribe Calls like, did they just sample Lou Reed? Like like it was just like <laughs> Yeah. You know, but it, I think there's there, there's always been this thing where the the music has always come together. I mean the Rolling Stones stole all that shit was the blues, you know, was old blues song. So it's always been in music this this it's all rock and fucking roll mm-hmm. in all honesty. It's all rock and roll, mm-hmm. you know? But then like Oh man, so it's, it's just, we need like three hours. I mean, like, because I could digress. I mean, living color in the eighties, yep. you know, fuck, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, bad. The, the best punk bands were black. Bad brains. Bad brains. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and 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 Henry Rollins has said that. Like, exactly. for, we want to be bad brains. Bad brains. I mean, Fishbone, mm-hmm. Red mm-hmm. Hot Chili Peppers were like, we mm-hmm. fucking Fishbone. They were the shit. Exactly. They were trying to be like Fishbone. You know, exactly, and, and and that's one thing about music is like, who could we get white to do what the black kids is doing? <laughs> you know, no, but even like like for instance, again, like my thing with Led Zeppelin, like and how they their experience like to be like traveling and touring in the U.S., like how they got to their like folk, yeah. you know, like you know, like that kind of grass root kind of thing, like they totally changed like their approach and how they incorporated all those 
all those elements that really like really stroke me like that you know like the feel of like when plant like would sing like i would totally connect and how um you learn with diversity yeah so 100 percent. so you get over in 2002 after the all that 9-11 stuff which we will never forget mm-hmm. um and um did you how'd you like what, what was your first restaurant job like was I it dishwasher or, yes okay. yeah that's something like for me like as much as i I don't, I don't necessarily like would say that uh, I think that like for uh, new sums that want to start, that want to start in this industry, mainly right now, that is quite of, um, that is quite of um, a transition for a lot of sums and the industry is trying to revamp themselves. I think that's a great opportunity for the whole hospitality to think about what they need to do, how they need to improve. If you want to, you know, revamp yourself, reinvent yourself as a sum or you want to start as a sum. It's like go back to the basics. And one of the things that I'm truly proud of is washing dishes because now I can understand like why my dishwasher, my porter, like they, they cannot leave at 12 o'clock in the morning during a pandemic when they touch all this dishware and silverware because I know what they went through because I did it. Yeah. So like the way that I progressed through my uh, my hospitality life, like is to understand every position, you know, like I did everything. I love to bartend like my relationship with my customers and try to understand like why they always drink a Manhattan, but today they just need a filthy dirty martini. Right, right, you know, right, like, right. Yeah. That breaks down into wine. Like, yeah. And then like, it's all about like, you need to read people and I don't know if that's because I'm a tourist or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> might, I think that might help a little bit, but, but yeah, so I, I started like washing dishes and mopping the floors like for a few months when I, when I realized, like, Bruno, like, you, your savings are done as a musician. Like, this is going to take a while. The, the whole industry was taking a while because of 2001. So I did that. And then, like, starting, like, being a busboy runner. And then a few couple of years, I was being a server and bartending. And that's how I did. All right. So, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pause you right there. We're going to dive into that a little bit deeper. We're going to take a quick break. And then we'll be right back. If you follow me on social media, you know I love discovering and drinking new and exciting labels and winemakers. The Wine Spies offer wines like Single Vineyard Tempranillo from Amador County, Single Vineyard Mount Veter Zen from Peter Franis. If you don't know who he is, now you know. Wine Spies has been gathering intel since 2007, so these guys are really connected in the biz, and that's how they can offer so many great deals. I love their locker feature. It lets you build a case over time so you can check out with just one bottle and avoid shipping charges. They have a top-notch tasting panel so I can rely on the wines to be great every time, which lets me play around and discover more. The spies always take care of me, so if I'm not 100% happy with the wine, they'll make it right. And just for the listeners of my show, there's a special Black Wine Guy Experience URL discount code for $10 off your first order when you sign up at winespies.com forward slash black wine guy. Okay, we're back. <laughs> um, so I, I like I love what you said, because you're not the first guest to say that, right? Because we live in this digital Instagrammy area, influencer era. And there's people who, um, you know, are getting their 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 certificates and um but don't never worked in hospitality exactly you know and i mean robert boar is like I was, I was a dishwasher you know uh mm-hmm. dustin wilson he's like when he went to work with frasca wine group you know bobby bobby said you're gonna fucking clean the bathroom right yeah. like you know like and i love what you said about how that made you appreciate it like exactly. you you understand the whole progression you know and then also something i love what you said um because another guest said it and I, I'm so fortunate, my guests. I get the dopest guests um, about how you have to read the room, like know know what's going on that day, right? Like like literally, like you said, like oh, they always drink a Manhattan, but you know, I I want a, the dirtiest fucking martini, and like, and then they'll they'll open up to you and they'll tell you about their day, and like it's like fuck that, just give me some vodka, little olive juice <laughs> on the side, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so <clears throat> you work your way up, and then um, where were you when you first? So. Uh, what 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 when did you catch like the wine bug out of this though 
So, great question. Like, um, so I grew up actually, so I grew up in Lisbon. Lisbon is actually one country. So when you lay, landing down in Lisbon, like before, like a lot of times you will be like circling and circling because the airport is in the middle of the city, which is crazy. Um, but you see vineyards on the, on the left, you see vineyards on the right, it's just vineyards all over the place. Wow. So where I grew up, I grew up in a, a close to, a, I grew up my, my second part when I was 10. My mom decided, like, uh, she was a painter, too. Like, I need to go to the camp, to the countryside. I, that's when my parents, like, divorced and everything. Mm-hmm. I need a break. So we went to the countryside close to a uh, wine country, which is a sub-region in Lisbon called Bucelas. And I always had that, like, that feeling, like, this is awesome. Like, you know, like, you're going through the vineyards, like, once in a while. Like, and for me, it was a city, but I was not taking it seriously. But once I land, down, I land in a... Um, in, uh, in New York and start working like oh crap how can I I was working in Portuguese restaurants in the beginning mm-hmm. iconic um, pound in um, right next close to uh, to the year end probably have been in the year end every one of us have been in the year end <laughs> um, and for me to try to explain what a Tarriganist you know is like what right. it's not even port or Lancers Rosé or, or Matus, <laughs> like how can you spell Matus? Like it's Matus, but uh, but it's it's all good. <laughs> I uh, remember those ads, man, for Lancers <laughs> and Matus. <laughs> but uh, listen, I'm totally thankful for all those brands because they opened up wines that we're drinking today. Otherwise, it's like thinking about like um, you know White Zinfandel is well, something. Well, I tell people White Zinfandel stayed at the California Winery, so they weren't selling fucking wine. Exactly. So, so you had to reach new is. people, you know. So I mean, it, you know. It, once you get into wine, you, you, you like a lot of shit you poo-poo or you just drank to get fucked up when you were younger. <laughs> you, you actually have an appreciation because, um, you know, they sustained an industry. They to opened where, a path. Yeah. You know. you know, like they opened a path and we have to be thankful. It's just, again, it's all about diversity and they opened the path to diversity. And, and I'm thankful for all those, you know, like minds and, and thinkers and everything. So I had to come up with, a, you know, like trying to... Uh, how can I res- like uh, showcase like a, uh, a Dodo blend steel wine mm-hmm. to someone that likes Bordeaux? So I started like to uh, to study. So that approach of living close to the wine country, it's not. I was not really taking seriously wine. I wasn't. As I was a kid, and my mom was actually dealing with alcohol problems. So I was not really trying to move towards that area, sure, that those neighborhoods, because again. Um, so when I came to the U.S., it was totally different. And I had to, like, start learning about wine, like, reading all the craziest books, like, from, you know, like, uh, what's the name of, like, for idiot stuff? Like, oh, that was, that's my book. <laughs> wine for Dummies. <laughs> wine for Mary dummies. Ewing Mulligan. That's, like, that's like no, one of the best wine books. I mean, like, it's comprehensive enough that it gives you a good footing and you I, go from there. I remember it was, like, 2003, and I went to... What's his, what's the name? Barnes and Nobles still exists. Yeah, yeah, Barnes and Nobles. Still and you would just fucking you, you you wouldn't even buy the book. You just go there on a Saturday and sit for two fucking hours and read the book. Take no. and if you're a gangster, which I don't take notes, <laughs> but you probably were taking notes and shit. But like you I know. was, <laughs> I was because like I had to learn. Like I knew my Portuguese wines fairly well for that time being, and and of course uh, Spanish wines. But people ask me like, oh, I love Chianti, I love Sangiovese. I was like, what? I'm gonna do this, like so. I had to um, to kickstart like my my like starting to read books and everything. Like there was no Google, you know. Like there was nothing like that. So for everyone, it's out there like trying to learn. Like now, guys, you have Google. You have your phone on your pocket. Like you have the answer. Like in two minutes, like I will be right back to you about the book. I know, right? You know, like, that's something that we cannot do. But you know what? People are lazy. Like literally, I'll post something on Instagram, <laughs> and someone will say, "What's the wine?" I'll answer it, and people are like, "What's the wine?" I'm like, motherfucker, read the comments. It's, exactly. it's acid, this acid. Like, literally, it cannot be more easier. Exactly. Oh, man, tell <laughs> me about it. It's already right there. <laughs> tell me about it. Like, you know, like, uh, once this thing with the pandemic started, I, I was like, okay, Bruno, like, we, I need to continue to do my thing. I have tons of wine. What can I do? You know, like, you work with great people. Like, so what can I do, like, to make um, the situation better for everyone? And, of course, my peeps back in Portugal, of course. We're talking about, for instance, two wines that are not necessarily in retail. This is like very small production of wines that you can only. These are them. great, by the way, man. I'm I'm on the still wine. <laughs> oh my god, it's like, oh, it, it they're so good. So I decided like to kickstart that whole thing by um, start talking about wines like this and to approach like people in like through um, through my um, through my thinking on on Instagram 
and the way that I, every everything can be approachable. But you know, I'm talking about a wine. I'm telling you all these things. For some people, can be geeky and in, in everything. But first and foremost, like English is not my mother tongue. And secondly, like I'm Good for exposed. You. It's not really <laughs> mine either. <laughs> I struggle with it every day of but my, my life. My um, then the second part, it's like you opening yourself to critique. Right. But so like, right. and people are like, oh, but how the one tastes like? How can I pair? Like, it's in a comment. You know, I'm talking about. Uh, so you know, true, it's a pork chop. I'm like, if you want, I can go deep on that pork chop. <laughs> <laughs> but I love pork. I love all that fat. Like, it's all my cholesterol. But, but, um, but yeah. But it, it is totally true. Like, I think a lot of times, like, yes, we sums like, and I've been learning about that. Like, not trying to be like so geeky about it but that's our drive right but yes like a lot of times i think we should have like a more um comprehensive a more clear more broad like kind of message and i try to do my best but um what was what were we doing? we're just talking man i told, <laughs> I told you we were just going to have a conversation and it's flowing through it but actually it's funny um you did you mentioned like you also said that you love italian wine and yeah Spanish so wine. i went to italian wine because of that because of the portuguese wines so i had to start to understand like italian wines it's actually my base for a lot of assumes like french wines it's the base but actually i started with italian wines and the reason is like portugal and italy like they're fairly similar because they all came across with different um, invaders and with different people come across different uh, uh, migration periods, kingdoms and everything and that's a lot to explain in the wines and mainly like in the white that we're going to drink now, explains a lot so actually we're drinking uh, a wine from the Azores Island so it's in the middle of the ocean um, and it's so the Azores is a great archipelago which actually is not very close to Portugal, like the same way with Madeira. Madeira is actually, it's like Sicily. It's closer to Africa than the country. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. (laughs) But the Azores is right in the middle. It's like in the same latitude of of New York. Um, So it's an island that a lot of people came across with. Right. So again, like talking about like wines that sort of resemble like the culture of the country. Mm -hmm. Of course, islands, you know, like, Talk about Sicily, Canary Islands, Tenerife, like Corsica, of course, like all the Greek islands and everything. Everyone left something. Yeah. You know, like from yeah. the people to the grapes. Right. right. And in this wine, actually, um, what happened in the in the Azores was very interesting that the, um, the tracking of the varietals. We have two varietals in this wine. Okay. It's Erinto dos Azores. Which is different from the Arinto Continental Arinto that I grew up with in Bucelas, what I told I'm you. I'm not going to try and say that because <laughs> even even if it was even if it was anglicized, I would fuck it up. And, but you got that smooth ass accent. I'm like, okay. So uh, this will be in the show notes, everybody. <laughs> this is a blend of Arinto dos Açores, again different from the Arinto in, in Continental Portugal, and Verdelho. So basically, the same grape that you would find like in Madeira. But okay. again, Verdelho, like easily people can go like to Verdejo. It's not Verdejo in Spain. Um, even in Portugal, continental Portuguese is kind of a little bit of a misunderstanding. It's actually called Goveio, um in the Godelho in Spain. Oh yeah, yeah, I like Godelho. And uh, yeah, but yeah. they're kind of fairly kind of siblings, but different. Um, As but siblings this... are. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't feel... yeah, I got a sister. But for instance, same. like talking about like the Verdelho, like where the Arintos is the other grape, it's actually Verdelho can be like the mother for this grape. But then the grape can be traced like all over, like all these islands in Europe, like can go, can be traced like from, from Greece to the Canary Islands and everything. But again, not to be uh, misunderstood with Verdicchio, with Verdello. And, yeah, like, which but, are very clearly. But, but, but uh, it's a volcanic, so volcanic formation, but actually fairly young when you compare like to Madeira, compared mainly to Sicily and Canary Islands. It's a fairly uh, young formation of basaltic rock, which like, it's it's amazing what, what what happens in here that the vines are actually trying to dig through the cracks of basaltic rock. You know? I was going to ask you so that so such so they're straining. Obviously, uh, the more stress, stress on a vine, it's crazy. The better it is for the wine. So uh, if you smell the wine, if you just tell, taste the wine, like that's all this sea breeze, seashell, like it's that saline quality. Then when we talk about like the weird word of minerality, you know, like this, like. Now we can talk about what really minerality is because that's definitely what these vines, like they're protected. Like think about like the Kuluras, like in Greece, like where they have the baskets. Mm-hmm. So they're protected by these basaltic uh, walls, stone walls. They protect them from the winds, again, middle of the ocean. 
and uh, the sal- in, in salt. It's just right. salt all over the place, right. which salt easily can burn the whole fruit and burn everything. So it's very interesting that like you totally feel that salinity, and then like this, this, um, these salts are very rich in potassium, which elevates the the saline. Um, uh, profile of the ones, but super fresh. Of course, it screams like for oysters and yeah, limpets no, yep, and yep. all that kind of super fresh oysters. Oh man, that's what we need. <laughs> oh, garçon oysters. Um, so that was dope. Thank you for that. Um, I did see something though. You're also um, you you, you uh, Georgian wines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Oh man, I love Georgian wines. And more than liking the wines, or what I like, it's the people. I love the people because like when you're like sitting, sitting down with, you know, like with architects, with physicians, with doctors, with geologists that, that not necessarily winemakers, but they had, they start making wine because they went back to their roots. Right. Because their families were doing wine passing the time. But during the Soviet Union, like they had to go to war. Right. They had like, they left their land. So like then like. They went back, like, again, they've been making wine for 8,000 years, the Caucasus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's some of the oldest. Yeah, they have traces of tartaric acid in the, yeah. in the, in the yeah. clay vessels, yeah. which indicates, but that can be still kind of a, uh, a discussion with, with China and everything, like if it was vinifera or not. Right, like, but, right, right. But I'm going to be nice. I'm not going to be say that it's only Georgia. I'm going to say Caucasus. So, Armenia, I'm with you guys. So, <laughs> but uh, but it was just amazing. Like you talking about like when we spoke about like what's your favorite sound. Like, right. You being like in front of the Caucasus and you just hear like all these crazy animals. Like, wh- what is that? Should I be afraid? Like, I just heard this. Like, and you just hear like the whole thing and you're talking with people when, you know, like they're starting converting like their winery like to all these stainless steel beautiful things. And of course, they have the, the kveris like the diamphora is stuck in the soil that's the traditional way but you still like soviet union concrete uh steel tanks you still like see the soviet union trucks like across the street like on the next vineyard so there's a lot of things and emotions that come into play and for me as a black dude like you know like i was getting autographs because people never came across with someone with dreadlocks in a winery so, but in a very humble way. No, I know. What you, yeah, no, that's that's like kind of like yeah, I get it. I get it. Like and 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 then you speak Portuguese and probably <laughs> a couple other languages and shit, right? Like it's even more, you know. But so, it was mind blowing that that experience for me. Maybe they thought you were Lenny Kravitz. I was to be honest. They're like Lenny Kravitz is is in the winery. <laughs> oh man, like Yannick Noah, Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yannick Noah. Oh exactly. man. It's, 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 it's been a joke. No, let, let, let's not bring Millie Vanilli, but, but okay. <laughs> um, so, like... Um, yeah, but Georgian wines really helped me, like, to go back to the to the basics of yeah. winemaking and the people and, like, trying to understand how someone that is just an architect can see, like, we need to plant the vineyards. I plant the vineyards, the vineyards this way because as an architect, it makes sense. I'm planting over here because I'm a geologist and everything, but really like toned me down this was like probably like 2015 or 16 when i went the first time with lisa granick the master wine and she looked at me bruno you need to go you need to come with me like you're going next year like you're going with me so i did and ever since i've been like that like another two times i love it it just makes total sense for me and i believe in latitude to just having uh pork kebabs and grilling and being out the same way italians do some way portuguese do so that kind of latitude feel like it totally like it's I mean, it's my ballpark. I love it, man. I fucking love it. All right, so, um, I so let's talk about virtual wine tasting because you're a little <laughs> bit of a beast on on <laughs> Instagram you, and educator, uh, Matt. I mean, like, you know, personally, I've had a hard time with it because I'm a cancer, <laughs> so. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I really thrive. And thank you for coming to the studio, by the way. You know, I thrive on thank you. these type of conversations yeah. with people. And they can happen, yeah. but like, obviously it's a different, it's a different vibe, you know? And, 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 um, but you, I mean, you, like, you're killing it. You're, you're killing the game you, right, with that. And I mean, even like yesterday, like, was it yesterday or two days? Yesterday. You yeah. have fucking BB Gratz. 
No, yeah. That was, was last week. Yeah. That was last week. BB Gratz. <laughs> so BB Gratz is like the hottest winemaker in Italy right totally now. I mean, he's just cranking out. I got mm. a bottle of Testamata. Oh, and yeah. I actually have a bottle of the, the white too. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was like, damn, this motherfucker got BB Gratz. <laughs> I'm like, so glad he's coming on the show. I was like, shit. Um, so, the Colori. The Colori is even. Oh, my scary. God. So so tell me, what what what, what spawned you or spurned? What, what, what was the impetus behind just, just going hard at this? Um, again, like when, when this whole thing started, like I was at home, like, oh, what am I going to do? Like, and I got all this delicious Portuguese wine and Georgian <laughs> wine. And I mean, well, what am I going to do? I had School's to... closed. I ain't got to pick my son up at three no more. <laughs> I had, I had to brainstorm. Well, by another drum set. Okay. But then, <laughs> but, but seriously, then you, you brainstormed, right? I had to brainstorm. I had to do something about it. And it was actually something that I wanted to do, like to get a little more deeper, like in the educational part of, of Instagram, which some, some great minds already were doing over there. But yeah. I started doing it and came up to my mind that I think wine should be for all. And if I have this passion that that's what, like, I was successful at Tocqueville, that I was doing, like, tasting menus for eight wines and it'd be incorporating, like, different wines and people live happy. That's all about. That's all about, like, putting a smile on the face of people and the storytelling, like, the whole experience that I wanted to do. So I tried to resemble that in terms of, like, um, on my wine talks and... And whatever, like, I'm talking about, like, a wine that I just decided to open or something that, oh, like, oh, why people talk about Vigna Tondonio? Like, what's about this? Like, blah, 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 blah. Let's talk about Vigna Tondonio. You know, like, why not? Like, you know, like, oh, Syrah, Syrah, Syrah. Like, I'm bringing you Syrah from Morocco. And we're going to talk about the Muslim laws. You, you, had, a, you had the Moroccan Syrah? Because Andre was raving about that fucking Moroccan Syrah. It's that, beautiful, Syrah. I, I got it. I went, I found it, it's, and then it fucking sold out, man. Michael, and, and, and it's, uh, who is it? It's Michael, Al- it's Michael Skernick. It's Alain Graillot. Yeah, yeah, Alain Graillot. It's yeah, Alain Graillot. He yeah, yeah, was yeah, yeah. with his son, like traveling in um, in the uh, Moroccan coast, like in his bike, and then he saw like the thousand uh, vineyards, and he was like, "Okay, this is cool." And then so Sirocco, Syrah from Morocco, but mm-hmm. Sirocco, the North African right. winds that totally affect like the the Mediterranean regions. People, people, I'd say that, but people fucking forget like Morocco is like the the Mediterranean is not just like the Greek exactly. islands it's and not, shit. It's Lebanon, and, and Lebanon, Syria, and the French, Israel, need- and the that's why the French. Exactly. So the French have a huge talk in this because uh, when you think about like northern Italy, like they always source their grapes from from Sicily, Puglia, because they needed alcohol to, they to need, complement yeah, the, ripe, the ripeness. Yeah, they needed mm-hmm. that, but that's in their country and like in basically like feudal systems and everything that happened in the country. But when it comes down to France, it was a little different. It was colonies. Yeah, they were Muslim. Yeah, and they could produce like big alcohol in their in their grapes. So yep. a lot of those grapes. Off the record, like they were being sent. No, I know, no. They, they were being people sent. Like, uh, there was a time where like seventy percent of the grapes and French wine were fucking coming from, from North, North Coast Af- Africa, Algeria, Tunisia, yeah. and Morocco. Yeah. So of course, like they can have like fucking all these French. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Your secrets out. <laughs> Black wine guy. <laughs> Booyakasha. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but um. But uh, so like I, it was just something in me that I, and honestly, it was something that I was already doing, like while yeah. working. Like you as a song, you know, like a lot of people say, like oh, I cannot face like the camera. Like you know, it's hard. Like and I first started actually by doing video reviews nonstop, mm-hmm. six minutes, go for it. Like four o'clock in the morning, nobody. Like you cannot hear like the neighbor. You cannot hear like someone buzzing the door and anything. Like it was just me. Four o'clock in the morning, I'm going to do this. Like three, four takes, and I started doing it. But um, it's just a lot of work. So, but uh, I it decided- is people, people, people. It's I know, I know it's a lot of work because um, you know, I it is like this is this is a fucking production I'm doing right now. It's like a English. Lot of- English is not my mother tongue. Like, and yeah, I'm but like, I mean, but come on, you said you got the Yannick Noah thing. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> like, like you definitely getting a lot of the ladies are giving you a lot oh, of. Come on. they're giving you a lot of slack on your English. <laughs> Um, but um, so I, I just decided like to uh, to go that route and I started I started writing and always loved writing all the bands that I was with mm-hmm. always like half of the lyrics of the band was always like kind of me mm-hmm. you know like like sometimes dark sometimes like <laughs> sometimes goofy sometimes right. like weird like I was always like behind some of the lyrics in the bands that I was and I always liked to write and this thing like totally 
again, the positives of the pandemic as much as possible was that totally was a turn point for me, like after almost 20 years in doing this, 18 years, but you know, like you need to do something different. Like that's probably time like for you to finally, you know, like do something different. Like my kid is now 12. So like it's that stage that he needs me like back again, like to be like yep. with him and everything. So I decided yep. like, okay, I'm going to go back to writing, do something different. And that's what uh, kick-started uh, kick in me and actually something that I've been looking for for the MW. So, which is very academic, uh, was all about doing the MS. Mm-hmm. And I started to think like, perhaps that's not necessarily what I want. And writing and doing all these things and got back to me to the idea that I've been thinking in the past six years about pursuing the Master of Wine. And that's what I'm thinking right now. Oh, I love that. You know, I I, I think if I went for if I went for any fucking if I went for more <laughs> if I went for any so it, it would be the MW track just because I just, just, whatever chip on my shoulder. It's just uh, you know if you're gonna do the shit, do the shit, right? Like like fucking. I'm, I'm more. I joke, but like mm. uh, once I get in some, I get really eggheady and really geeky about it, and I can mm. see, I can see the allure of that, and and I, 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 that's that's dope. I think y'all heard it. I think you heard it here first. <laughs> Bruno's thinking about in his MW. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, and I also love what you said. Like you said, uh, you know, you like I had to do it at four o'clock in the morning because it was quiet, and, and and I would and I would just do take after take, and and I love how you were like, and it people don't get like. I had this moment where I was like, holy shit, I have a fucking podcast. Like, I've just put something out in the world. Like, but even just to do a video on Instagram, like, you're, you, cause, mm-hmm. cause somebody's gonna say some shit. Somebody's gonna comment, you know, you don't know how you're gonna take it. You know, um, somebody be like, I can't, what the fuck, I can't understand what he's saying, you know, cause mm-hmm. Americans are pretty lazy. I hate, <laughs> when, when, when they come with dealing with people from foreign countries, mm-hmm. like, I've seen, I'm like, just be with the person, look in their eyes. And you can understand what they're saying. Don't be like, ah, 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 you know, like, so I, I big ups for that, man. That that's what's dope. And, but like, it's, it's really paying off. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think you're like, I'm, I'm, what I'm really like, like, you're so like, people don't even know how dope you are. Like you got a little following, but like, like people like your shit's like fucking super legit. I'm glad I got you on here before. Like you, you, you're blown up and like, you know, now, now, you know, I got you so early on. I'm like, no, I don't care if you're master one. I, 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 Bruno, Bruno, come on, man. Come, come on. We had some, we had, we had that burrito. No, no, man. Wine, you, you know, you, 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 you're not crazy about MJ. So I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Like, nah, you know, nah, nah, yeah, nah, nah, yeah. Nah. He's like, you know, yeah, if you were MJ, MJ, I mean, I get, I get that that's your name, but you know, <laughs> I was just walking by. There's actually a store called MJ. Where, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, it's so funny. We, we, <laughs> we peeped that. Yeah, and actually, on the other corner, there's a, a it's called uh, uh, Alma Bank, and my mother's name was Alma. I was like, oh, oh I guess I'm, sh- I'm recording in the right place. Like, literally, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I had to continue. Like, and honestly, like, everyone eats out there. Like, you know, the camera can be scary. Like, being the validation can be scary. And even some bullying can be scary. Mm-hmm. And, but, um, you know, like, you know, it's the same way, like, when you're bartending. It's the same way when you go to that A-top. that like, I like Chardonnay, but I I hate Chablis. You know, like, you have to, you know, like, you have to read. And but a lot of them don't know that <laughs> Chablis oh, no. is Chardonnay. That's, that's no, part no, of it. No, no. What, well, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? People like, people like, oh, like, people like uh, I want a white burgundy. I'm like, okay, there right, you go. I'm like, I'm like, you know, it's Chardonnay. Like, uh-huh. What? <laughs> Yeah, all white burgundy chardonnay. <laughs> I mean, unless it's Borgogna Agote, but like, so it's so funny. People are like, yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I don't like this. I'm I like, hate Sauvignon Blanc, but I love Sincere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but you, I, hate, I love Cloudy Bay, but I hate Sauvignon Blanc. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, uh, I just drank some Barbe- uh, Barbera Diablo. Like, I was just in the summer in California and I came across those vineyards. Because they thought they was Santa Barbara, so yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, but but honestly, but a lot of times, like, let's let's be fair here. Like, a lot of times comes that to uh to that critique you being a someone of Florida, and yeah. and people yeah. don't take you serious, and they actually yeah. think that you're BSing them. Like, no, this is sincere. This is Sauvignon Blanc. Are you sure? Yeah, no, and especially when you're would of they, color too, would man. They, would they ask that same question if? Yeah, exactly. When you listen, I I, I or I, even I, if I didn't have the pin. 
on my right. Jacket. You got and you got a fucking pin, right? Like literally, like so they would still like looking at me and like fact checking the pin, like <laughs> zoom in, zoom out. Is this really for true? Like so they're yeah. like taking it off your bite, trying to make sure it's real, <laughs> it's not plastic. You didn't come in a box of cracker jacks. It's a journey. It is a journey. You know, I, I've had to I've had to beg people to let me help them sell wine to buy, buy wine for me. Like so mm-hmm. sad. I'm like, no, dude, I actually know about wine, bro. I'm like, you know, I'm now kind of like, I just had like a Portuguese wine expert on my show, bro. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, you know, um, it is a journey. It, it is. It's that second guessing. Whereas, you know, um, Buffy could come up and she's a waitress and they'll just take her fucking advice. She's like, oh, I like the Chardonnay. The Kendall Jackson is delicious. It's like, okay, we're going to do the Kendall Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I've been surprising a lot of people that uh, would say no to champagne just because they hate Chardonnay. You know, just because I would like, really? Yeah. You just like, you just don't like champagne just because you know that's Chardonnay, because it just learned. Right, you just, because uh, you read, yeah. I learned on, learned on, Vin, on, on, Vin, on Vin, Vivino or something I like that. I hate Vivino, but anyway, that's another You know, thing. like, and that's the <laughs> other part too. Like, that's another, like, I think it has been a stage in Psalms right now, in the past few years, that you've been fact-checked in front of them. I can see your phone. I know you in Vivino, like, but I'm describing you. Don't I know? Listen, dude. I work in a I work in a store, and people are like I'm like you're gonna believe that crowdsourced app instead of instead of a person who's right here who 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 is telling you about what like like literally like like yeah. Well, someone said it's never done. But I'm like, well, that's because like you want to drink fucking Miami, mm-hmm. right? You know, and Miami is delicious. I had to try a bottle. It is delicious. Like, people like it, but it's, it's not, like Coca Cola. Yeah. It tastes good. Mm-hmm. They made it taste good. But like, it's don't honest. don't don't talk about Pinot Noir because let me tell you something. There's some Syrah in that shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Let's we can bring that conversation to Bordeaux too. But uh, <laughs> well, I, well, you know they 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 just I mean not someone a couple years ago. Uh, I'm sure they were doing it before, but now they allow Tariga. They, they're allowing. So that's actually great. Like it's super fun uh, for me as Portuguese, of course. Like the Tariga Nacional being brought and the Alvarinho being brought to the to the white varietals because both of them are fighters. They can fight diseases. Mainly Alvarinho, it's a great fighter, and both of them age potential. Uh, you know, like yields and everything. And I think it was a, a very smart move. We were still talking about very small percentages, mm-hmm. but to see like such. Uh, a region like Bordeaux to do that, like I think it's it's a, it's it's a good step. It's I think it's super cool, like to see like Bordeaux is open to do that, and well, they have to, but uh, right. but I, I think it's cool that uh, they're doing that. So, but uh, yeah, we as Portuguese, we are excited to 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 see that. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been asking. Let me ask you a question. I've asked you about yeah. fucking fifty. Um, what was like? What was like the killer bottle of wine? Oh boy! For you, like that was like, bam! That's so funny. There's a. <laughs> I was, I was, we're in a studio and someone is holding up a bottle of barefoot. I swear to God. She just, she just held up. I was like, right when I said bottle of wine and she held up like a magnum of like barefoot <laughs> Moscato, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh my God. This is the best episode. No, but for ever. instance, like we, we had these conversations about, we had this thing about the Moscato thing. Yeah. A few months ago, like the perception of Moscato and how. Which is, it's, I love Moscato. Exactly. And, and actually, I, during that time, without not knowing what was going on, and before that, I spoke, I spoke about, about Zibibo, you know, like Muscatella Sandria in, in Sicily, mm-hmm. which is still the same varietal, but basically I tried to expose like how the varietal can be so diverse right. and has all these different ranges, all Muscat. It's so different. It can be perceived like in different ways. And that's just the perception how people can handle diversity and can handle like, Perception. It's just like I think Moscato was actually a great point during the pandemic towards wine. I think it was a great, a great feeling um, that how a lot of times the industry like sees like people in a certain way. They um, okay, let let me start like putting that uh, ice on the side for your Chardonnay, or let me start like making your Kiriyal and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it's something that needed to be brought up. Mm-hmm. True, mm-hmm. but in the meantime, I think the industry and we as some we should bring like. Let's talk about Muscat. Let's talk about like how diverse Muscat is. How Port, uh, actually today is uh, International Port Day, and how diverse Port is. So that's a lot of things that uh, I think in times like this, like all these uh, tools that we have with social media and everything, I think it's great to have someone in Maine, someone in Alaska that, oh, 
someone in Pennsylvania that cannot buy certain wines, they yep. can have like, oh, okay, I cannot buy it. I cannot go to the store, but this guy's telling me this. MJ's telling me that. So that's all about. Yeah. So, man, shit, you've had so many successes in this business. Um, well-deserved. Um, but was there ever a time when you were like, this isn't for me? I need to go back to drumming. I don't know. I don't know if I, I should. I could do something else. Mm -hmm. So was there ever a time when you like thought about walking away from the industry? Like, oh, many times, man. Many times. <laughs> That's like how, like a lot of times, like some cool ideas came up to my mind and stuff that I wrote like five years ago. And now I'm going back and I'm talking about that. When I'm talking about that region, because it would be four o'clock in the morning, you're just like, damn, I just spent like twelve hours. I opened the restaurant. I closed the restaurant. You know, I have to do inventory tomorrow in the morning. And I haven't seen my kid. Like, I don't have a life. Like, I just want a beer and a decadent burger and play pool. And I can't, <laughs> you know, like, and just go back to the render and do some karaoke about it. But, you know, like, but in the meantime, you can't. And, like, you just, like, dude, like, and you're, you're like, people start, like, you know, having families and moving out and everything. So, yeah, a lot of times I felt like industry, like, uh, it's 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 very challenging. I think right, mainly right now we have a chance in hospitality to think like what can we do to do better in terms of uh, uh, of diversity of uh, um, inclusion, um, all these issues that we know that industry needs to deal with. Like how can we we shouldn't be waiting for the pandemic to have tables outside in New York City. Like, how can we, like, always, like, thinking ahead of time? Mm -hmm. You know, like, all that. So, there's a lot of things that needs to uh, to be done. And, um, but many times, yeah, uh, I thought about it. Like, can I continue to do this? What can I do? What can I contribute? Like, what can I do? And that's how I'm seeing what I'm doing right now. It's like, how can I help my groceries, uh, my uh, retail store next, uh, next to me? How can I help my importers? How can I help everyone? Some that want to break in, you know, like, so that's my perspective towards hospitality right now. It's that more. Mm, mm, damn. Well, shit, that's a good place to stop. I mean, dude, you are uh, fucking, you got a great heart. It's a really great heart. Um, incredible story. Uh, great work ethic. Uh, love your love for your son. And how that's a driving force. I mean, you've said that so many times. Also love that fucking four o'clock in the morning. That's like when you, you get shit done. Like, like that's like your witching hour, man. You know, like in the past, you know, I take the path train because I live in New Jersey. Like a lot of ideas like came out of the train. Like a lot of ideas like just like I can like, okay, I just miss a train. I only have a train like in 30 minutes. So I'm going to walk 10 blocks and just like think what I learned today. Like think like what I need to say to this person tomorrow. And, uh, and, and all those things and not try to bring that anger back home and not try to bring that, uh, hype sugar rush in the meantime to <laughs> a lot of those things that easily can happen at four o'clock in the morning after like a couple of Negronis on or, and stuff like that. So, um, and mainly even today, like, you know, and of course, like I'm always been like kind of a vampire, like yeah. a night howl, like I always you got been, that, you got that, uh, you know. Black Portuguese Lestat <laughs> fucking thing going on. <laughs> you know, I have my peeps. Like, I have my peeps back in Portugal. They're waking up at nine, uh, eight, wait, nine o'clock, seven o'clock, and like, hey, Bruno, you're awake. Like, uh, let's talk about this and this and that. Like, ah, oh, dude, okay, it's four o'clock. Like, uh, I want to go to bed. Like, huh, oh, but let's just talk about this and this and this. Okay. Which actually that helped me during the pandemic to have like, I'm have sure. your friends, like <clears throat> the friends that you grew up with, like back in your country, telling you, hey, dude, you're okay. And actually, people over here that you work every day, that you know every day, they don't. No, I, no. Anything. I know. And that's when, like, the friendship comes back to you. Like, you know, like that person that he spent, like, three, 30 years and stuff like that. This guy, that girl, like, they know, like, Bruno, I know you're far away, but how are you doing? So, but that really helped me. And a lot of times I was just at, <laughs> waiting for that moment at 4 o'clock in the morning. I know, like, my peeps, even people in Georgia, like, hey, what's going on? You know, like, I made friends in Georgia, like, so... That's good things about that we can say about the pandemic, like that brought people together in a different way. And so, yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Thank you so much, Bruno. <laughs> Bruno D. Almeida, um, tell people where they can find you and how they can be a part of what you're doing. So, I'm 
basically like my my, my driving force is all in uh, in on Instagram at Romelier, and again it's Romelier because the drummer Romelier, and again an idea at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> that happened at four o'clock in the morning. I don't know how many Negronis were that night, but. <laughs> um, and that happened, just like um, trying to incorporate b- both worlds. I truly believe that, for instance, Bibi Gretz, yeah. like he's he being like um, an artist, like he, I I love when winemakers mainly like they have like an artistic drive into them. Yeah, that truly that truly shows like in their wines and their yeah. perspective. Yeah, and for me, like there's a lot of things. That's why, like when I post like something like I just did today about ports and classic music with John Williams about like Star Wars and everything, mm-hmm. like it just makes total sense. Like how a port like builds up, how a Madeira builds up, um, where how a champagne builds up, like a composition, momentum, drive, boom, 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 climax, chill, next. So like for me, like for me as a musician, I could see myself like in a wine world. So that's. Um, my my take. So yeah, you guys can find me on uh, as Drumelier on um, on Instagram. That's my main thing. Awesome. Well, damn, Bruno, thank you so much. And until the thank next you. time, cheers to the Mavericks, philosophers, deep thinkers, and all the wine drinkers. Zim J Black Wine Experience Season Two. Peace. Thank you. Cheers. Salud. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list. We want to thank our supporter, the Conaway Fund, a component of the Prosperity Foundation, which supports cultural and heritage events, scholarships, mentoring programs, and more. Go to theconawayfund.org and see how you can donate and make a difference in underserved communities.